everybody. Hi there. Welcome back. So this is Planet of God, and I'm Emily. And I'm Larry. And this is week three of week three. our um, Christmas reading challenge. Congratulations, you made it this far, if you've kept up with us. Um, if not, that's okay. You can start in the middle, or you can go back and start over. There's because we're trying to um, nip the Gospel of John in before Christmas. Doesn't mean you actually have to. You can start at any time. It's a great thing about this being up on the internet. Yes. Today we are on John chapter 11. 11. And if you are following along, so this is the year of our Lord, 2023, and week three just happens to be what fun feature? Well, the chapters land on the day. The chapters <laughs> land on the day. So, as long as you're following along with us in this, uh, you know by the day which chapter you're in. It's kind of a fun little feature. Yes. So, are you ready to dive in? I think so. So we start the chapter and we... So, pre-thought. Oh, I should have asked. You should have asked. Mm -hmm. You failed. But you, I said, are you ready to dive in? You I said, am. yes. I'm ready to dive into my pre-thought. Oh, fair. <laughs> so, um, I thought this was a, a fun fact to pull out, is that chapter 11 contains the last public miracle of Jesus. So as we dive into this, we need to see that this is that. Um, we'll also notice another I am statement. We've saw these before. I am the light, right? Um, a few others that are escaping me at the moment, but we got another one today. Um, and we see in John's account that this is the first resurrection. Now, if you read the other gospel accounts, there are other resurrections that Jesus completes. This is the first one that is done publicly. In all the other resurrection accounts based on the other gospels, Jesus tells them to keep it quiet. Don't go tell everyone. So this one is a public, it's witnessed by multitudes, which is crazy. And the Pharisees have to respond. And we'll see them respond as we go through. But I just wanted to kind of open up with that, the fact mainly being that this is the last public miracle that Jesus performs. Yep, pretty neat. Yes. Um, so what is that public miracle? It the is... The resurrection of Mr. Lazarus. Yes. <laughs> of Bethany. Um, so we find out at the very beginning of this chapter that Lazarus is sick. Yep. And... I, I find it funny how Jesus deliberately tarries. He doesn't go straight away to Lazarus's aid. He waits intentionally. Yeah. Um, well, because it says that so his glory yes. can be. Yes, that's verse 14. When Jesus had, had heard this, he said, This sickness will not lead to death, but to glo God's glory, so that the Son of God may be glorified t through it. What's interesting to point out, though, is from where Jesus is, it's only a one-day walk to Bethany. So it's not like he was that far away. But he waits and he tarries intentionally, again, to show the glory of the Son of, Son of God. Yeah, I really appreciated the fact that Mary and Martha 
actually took the time to reach out to Jesus. And it just, for application purposes, it just made me, it reminded me that we can come to God with anything. Yeah. You know, that they felt comfortable enough with Jesus to go to him with this. Yeah. You know, with knowing that he does miracles and all these things, you know. Right. And then we see, which is jumping away a lot, but that when he does finally go to them and both of them respond with the same, you know, message, if you were here, right. then, you know, then Lazarus would died. not have died. Right. right. I find um, Thomas's comment a little startling, right? He says, let us go too that we may die with him. So this is after Jesus tells them plainly Lazarus is dead. Because they're like in shock over this. And it just, it just goes to show that even for them, the disciples, their faith was not perfect. You know, we'll see this as we continue on within the chapters that, that, that holds true. Their faith is not perfect. They're still working, working their way through it as well. And just a, a historical context from the importance of why Jesus waited four days. So the Pharisees would teach in this day and age that a person's spirit would hover over their body for three days. And then on the fourth day, it would go to Sheol. And so the, essentially they would think that within those three days that spirit could re-enter the body and the person could come back to life. So then it wouldn't be a miracle for Jesus. It, right. Which I believe is why he tarried. Yes. Yeah. It is. I agree. I had too. heard that too, but I couldn't remember where I heard that from. You heard it from me when we taught the harmony of the gospels. Oh, it came when I, from we me. did our we did a study a couple of years ago going through a harmony of all the gospels. It was really cool. Really long. Took us two years to get through, but it was worth it. And that's where you heard it from. <laughs> At least I'm gonna take credit. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> so then we get into uh, Jesus and Martha in verses 17 through 27. Uh, as Jesus approaches Bethany, Martha runs out to greet him. And I want to look at the conversation here between Jesus and Martha real quick. Um, verse 21, Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. And Jesus in 23, Jesus replied, your brother will come back to life again. Verse 24, Martha said, I know he will come back to life again in the resurrection at the last day. And then 25 through 26, Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even if he dies. And the one who lives believes in me and will never die. Do you believe this? Now notice the profession of faith here that we get from um, Martha. In verse 27, she replied, Yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who comes into the world. This is just such a cool conversation that Jesus is kind of taking Martha on this little journey and bringing her to this point of, no, I am, Jesus, I am the resurrection. I am the Messiah. There is life only in me. And that's what we're going to see when he brings Lazarus back to life. What's great about it, too, with um, even Mary as well and some of the other stories throughout the Gospels, because um, I don't think it's in this one, um, where it talks about her with the meal 
Um, no, that's not in John. Um, but we see that they are very, they understand scripture. Yeah. So they've had some learning through their years of even better than the Pharisees, obviously. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, but that they understand scripture and they know, you know, I find yeah. that for a woman to have that in that, that time, level of understanding. Yeah, yeah. It's really cool. It is. Then we get into Jesus and Mary. Now Mary comes into the picture here in verses 28 through 32. And we see uh, that Mary has, as you said, pointed out a similar response in verse 32. When Mary came to the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Mary, we see in this conversation, doesn't fully grasp the power that Jesus has. Whereas Martha kind of crafts and holds on to it. It's after that, though, that we see that Jesus, after his time with Mary, that uh, because she's so emotional, I think. Martha maybe isn't as quite... She's a little more practical. Yeah. You get that Mary. vibe, too? Yeah, I do, yeah. And I, so I think because of that, it it almost stirs Jesus' emotions because this is where we get into, um, you know, his spirit is troubled. Kind of, yeah. Uh, so we're in verses 33 through 44 where we see the difference between Mary, Mary's weeping and Jesus' weeping. And really, you've got to get into the Greek a little bit to understand what's going on here. Now, we have the word weeping that shows up twice the Greek word used at the at, at, in 33 and 34 is this word kaleo, kaleo, which describes a wailing or a loud lamentation. So that's like really loud, like I just hit my thumb with a hammer. I wouldn't wail. I would probably just, but it's more of like a like a two-year-old hit their thumb with a hammer. There we go. That kind of a wailing. And then when we, you see 35, Jesus wept. It's a different word in the Greek. It's a word, dakario, and it refers to like shedding silent tears. So it's a different type of weeping or a different type of sadness. Now, the question then becomes, okay, so why would Jesus do this? Because he knew what was going to happen, right? Jesus knew going into this, we saw earlier, this event, Lazarus's death was for the Son of Man to be glorified. So he knows going into this, what's going to happen. So why is Jesus weeping? And it's very likely that this was grief over the effects of sin and death. Jesus' kind of saddened at the effects that Satan has wrought onto this earth. And he's seeing those effects play out in the people that he is around. And then we get into verse 36 where we see some people taking notice of Jesus shedding these tears. He's weeping or he's crying. And they question, how can this man who just performed a messianic miracle not have prevented this death? I thought that was a very interesting remark. That they don't really understand what's going on. 
Yeah. With verse 38, we see that Jesus is again groaning in himself, right? So he's, he understands what's going on and it's affecting his spirit and how he's, like his emotions. Yeah. Right? Because Jesus has emotions too. Right. He is. He's God, still fully man, man right? right? He's still fully man. And, and one thing that I, I could have, I kind of thought about that is that there, there are a number of things that he could have been indignant or groaning about. Um, he could have been angry at death itself or the effects of sin on mankind, right? Or he could have just been angry and upset with the loud wailing, which was common at Jewish funerals. Like at a, at, in Middle Eastern culture, they hire professional wailers. These are people who just wail loudly during a funeral. And the reason I say that is because of the other gospel accounts, the other times when Jesus does perform the resurrection miracles, he, you know, gets angry and sends away those professional wailers. Right. And so those professional wailers would be here. And, you know, we it's just the, the track record from the other gospel accounts that... Jesus has with professional whalers. He does not like that practice. No. <clears throat> and we know that he's in, he, like, he knows, you know, he's friends, right? He yeah. loves Lazarus. He loves Mary and Martha. He loves that family. I wonder if it's just maybe a combination. It could be a like, combination. Oh, that's like. That's annoying. Not thrilling. And then. And but also understanding the, the emotions of Mary and Martha. Right. The whalers. That's not a real emotion from no them, it's not it's know? just annoying i mean i'm kind of with jesus on that i'd send them away i mean yeah would well, you wonder why that practice was even yeah i'd like. have to look into it more but then we get into the actual act of the resurrection yeah which of is jesus cool raising lazarus yep. yeah verses 39 through 40 jesus calls for the stone to be rolled away um, and then you have martha which i find is funny who made this profession of faith not more than, you know, 10 minutes ago and is now failing at the last minute. Lord, by this time there is a stench. He's been in there for four days. Well, it's, she goes back to her logical yeah, side. Yeah, she does. She's, know, like, she's like, you really want to open the tomb? These smells. Come on. Yeah, but then Jesus reminds her of what she said earlier, right? He's urging her to believe and to remember that true faith relies on resting in God's promises and knowing that he will fulfill them. And then you have Martha relenting and the stone finally being rolled away and the resurrection occurring through a prayer. So what I think is really interesting about the way that Lazarus was buried too is very, if you, you can compare it to Jesus's burial. Right. And, not his resurrection, obviously, but no. but his burial, right? They he was, you know, in a, where a stone would have to be rolled away, yep. and Jesus was the same. Well, even in when Lazarus comes out, how him being covered in linen strips, mm -hmm. right? It wasn't a big one-piece sheet that he was wrapped in. It was strips like a mummy would be, right? So that's very important, especially when you look at today. And this cloth that has the dude's face on it that people worship, 
because they think it's Jesus. It's not. Jesus would have been wrapped in the same way Lazarus was in strips. I can't remember what it's called it now. The Shroud. The Shroud of Turin. That's what it was. But, and then, okay, so this is kind of rabbit trailing, but like it is. that cloth in, in scripture says that that was folded. And set aside. Ah, right. But even <laughs> so. then, and we'll get there. We'll get there later. But even then, it's it was a head cloth, not a full body cloth. Right, right. So I just thought that but, was an interesting comparison to see that, yeah. you know, because um, Jesus's burial place or whatever was, I'm pretty sure, not 100%, that it was like a rich guy's yeah. like yeah. tomb. Joseph of Arimathea. So that goes to show you, too, that, you know, they were not completely poor. Like right. Lazarus and Mary and Martha were not yeah. destitute that way. You know, they were a little more wealthy. Right. I wouldn't say they were rich, but like to have that kind of a bur burial means that they were probably okay money-wise. Yeah. But the prayer that Jesus uses um, is important. It's an important exercise, not for the resurrecting of Lazarus, but as a faith-building exercise for those who would believe. He is having this public conversation with the Father to build up those that have placed their faith in Jesus Christ. And now we see that the leaders are being faced with a huge problem. This is a crisis. More people are starting to believe in Jesus as the Messiah, and they don't like that. They don't want that. And we see um, in verses 40, 45 through 54 the, that there's two responses. You have verse 45 the right response, many of the people believed. That's the right response. And then verses 46 through 54 is the wrong response. You have the Pharisees um, really realizing that this sign was going to wreck everything from them. Right? They had power. They had what they wanted from Rome. And they were more concerned with their position than with who the Messiah yeah, is. Yeah, I think we see the reality of why they or why they want Jesus gone, oh, right? At yeah. this point, which um, I forget what verse it is. I wrote it down though. The if we let him alone like this, everyone will believe in him, and the Romans will come and take away both our place and nation. Right. So their thoughts are very selfish. It is. It's all about what you know what they're going to lose. Yeah. And what's going to happen to my stuff? Right. And to think if they only would have just accepted him. Oh, yeah. They would have been the Messianic kingdom. Yeah. Right? It John would have, would have fulfilled beautiful Elijah. And awesome. Messianic kingdom would have come in. But we would not have been forgiven of our sins. Right. So, it's like, so in reality, I mean, they're it just. It had to happen this yes, way. Yes. It, it was supposed to happen this way. But you just, you can see the true selfish desires of yeah. the Pharisees. And I, I find in verses 49 through 52, we have Caiaphas, the high priest, making a statement about Jesus that ends up being prophetic. Yeah, this I thought was so fascinating. It is. I'm going to read it here. I'm going to read it here. It says this. Then one of them, Caiaphas, who was the high priest that year, said, You know nothing at all. You do not realize that it is more to your advantage to have one man die for the people than for the whole nation to perish. Now he did not say this on his own, but because he was high priest that year, 
He prophesied that Jesus was going to die for the Jewish nation. And not for the Jewish nation only, but together, together into one, the children of God who were scattered. You have Caiaphas literally prophesying and then John commenting on the fact that his death was going to be good for the nation. Right? John points out the irony of this, that it is actually God's plan to have Jesus die because that is how he restores people through the death of the Messiah. And then we see um, verse 53, the plot thickens to kill Jesus. They really set their plan in motion. And in 54, the last verse, Jesus now leaves Judea for the last time. He will not return until his death. Yeah, uh, jumping a little bit back to their, like the plan and that it was yeah. prophesied, right? Um, what I thought is that how God used, I mean, these are not believers. He yeah. u He's using the government and the religious leaders to, um, you know, fulfill. Execute his plan. Yeah, yeah and just how prophecy. in our time and day now that, that he's still doing that today. Oh, yeah. You know, through our governments and through our, you know, world systems and things like that. I think it's um, applicable. It is. To now, too. Otherwise, that's all I have. Groovy. Well, that's it for John 11. Uh, go ahead and get to reading John 12 for tomorrow, and we will see you later.